But like on the fly, I fact checked a couple things during recording. Oh, like just on your phone? Yeah, you're not you're not above like no outside influence during recording no. sessions. And <laughs> if you got a supercomputer in your pocket, you might as well use it. Oh, is that a line from something? Because that that should be. It should be, but it, I don't think like it is. Luda could say it in Fast and Furious. Are we on nine now? You're listening to the SpyFi After Dark podcast. Welcome to SpyFi After Dark. I'm here today with my friend Chris. Say hello. Hello. Hi, Chris, everybody. Chris is a game designer. By game designer, I mean escape room game designer. Hey, I'm getting a label. Um, <laughs> you're getting a label. <laughs> I'm yeah. getting a label. Is this a monument for you? Is the first time you've ever been labeled? Well, no. Like someone recently found my LinkedIn page and they're like, why does this have nothing in it? And I'm like, well, that's. I literally forgot the email that I registered it under oh. the day after. Oh. It was an assignment in uh, oh. in our like first master's class. Like, You're going to need a LinkedIn when you okay. grow up. And we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so <laughs> we just kind of... <laughs> I mean, it's not terrible advice, but uh, but you certainly forged your own path. Oh, 100%. Um, you co-own uh, Escape Room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've run a number of other ones throughout the Valley. Uh, I was at... Uh, two of them today actually <laughs> that's kind of why we're starting so late okay all right so uh so yeah but you went to school for game design specifically educational game design right well something like that like my formal education is in engineering well and I mean then your master's degree well not even uh i don't have a master's degree oh i thought you did no 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 so so you could have started the program and it was still going through like accreditation processes when I was there. And I was like, you know what? Oh. Like, I don't have time for this. I know you, you were BME for bachelor's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after everything, um, went back for just whatever. And, and game design really stuck out. Um, and there was a race between all of the different colleges to have like an official game design like or games related program. What, what year would that have been? Ah, uh, geez. Um, like 2013 okay no it was 12 12 yeah it was 12 yeah because i was i was right. doing i was trying to do the bme masters concurrently with this mm-hmm. and then i was like i lost faith in the first program and the second one wasn't like real yet so I, I, yeah i took what i yeah it took what i i needed out of it from what i've heard about the bme program it was kind of a clusterfuck Oh, we can swear on this. Yeah. All right, right on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll agree with that. That's that's how I may have I may have, I may have encouraged anyway. it. Oh, yeah, being being a year ahead of Alex in, well, really two years ahead of Alex. Um, a lot of the things that happened to him and his peers were, you missed. very briefly like debated over um, by our generation. I see. And so, like, I had a vote. But one you way missed or another. it. Yeah, largely. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, so 2012, 2013, that sounds right, because that's around the time I was applying for college, and around that time, there were a bunch of new game design programs popping up. Yes. Yeah, and I was, I was TAing for some of those, so yeah. if you had taken them immediately. Well, there was at ASU, too, but there was also programs popping up all over the country around that time. Oh, yeah, right. There was, again, there was a race, and ASU officially opening in the October of that year. Yeah. Gave them the one up on the Ohio State University opening in January. <laughs> yeah. That's that's during that phase <clears throat> when the colleges wanted to embrace this narrative of you can 
get a career in games and make a good salary. And then a few years later, the games industry is like, actually, we have all the people we need. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, like, you, we don't need college graduates. So that kind of fell out a little bit. The the games industry, the video games industry, I guess is what you're really yeah. talking about, is only really just looking for uh, developers all the time. Pretty much. Because yeah, the, they have all the designers they actually want. Yep. Or the designers... You really don't need yeah, very many. Right. But the designers that, that want to get the work really need to find a way to, to stand out, get yes. heard, get noticed, yep, get out there. That's why I changed my career path. What was your career path? It was going to be game design. Oh, straight up? Yep. I didn't even realize. When did, when did we meet? 2000 and definitely. In relative to your, your schooling, first year, second year? First year. Yeah, first year of college. Uh, but I think it might have been spring semester. Yeah, that, that sounds accurate. Yeah. I, w- I remember it thinking. Was when, I'm pretty sure it was when Alex was living in Vista. Yes. Yeah. Which was my freshman year. Okay. Then, yeah, yeah. Uh, my earliest memory of of you like really digging was wondering who and why people were screaming e u l a oh inside <laughs> of this of supposedly abandoned uh apartment uh-huh and i'm just like i i i, I uh-huh. I'm talking to the guy in the kitchen that whose was apartment a- this is i'm just like who's in there and he's like, i i don't even know <laughs> one of alex's friends <laughs> oh my god yeah no that was a that was a joke between alex and i we so to, to give you was some it the context, actual eula or yeah, was that, okay E-U-L-A. so what I was the okay you remember so the joke i'm gonna try to remember the context of the joke as best i can but i have to start a little bit earlier to jog my memory so i had seen alex play ping pong in the honors hall and this oh, would have been, would be how you met. Yeah. This that would have been, sense to me. this would have been fairly early in the semester, less, less than a month. The spring semester. No, no. Fall. The fall semester. Um, and then I asked him if he wanted to play sometime. He said, sure. But that's, that's it. We left it there. And then what must have been no, a week late. You know what? This is more than a month in the semester. This is a couple months in the semester. It was probably, probably the last month um, because this is when my sleep schedule started getting fucked. <laughs> Welcome um, to college. Yeah. So I think what must have been no more than a week later, maybe two weeks later, uh, the, this would have been a sort of the start of the last month of that semester. I did an all-nighter. I don't remember why anymore, but I went down to the Burning Bee as soon as it opened the coffee shop that alex yeah 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 yeah. and so there's no one there and he made me coffee and we just talked and we ended up like doing stupid voices and coming up with stupid jokes like in the span of three hours (laughs) (laughs) like instantly and then so your origin story is just a two-hander in a coffee shop (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's, that's pretty really much cool. it and it was it was a mix of sleep deprivation inducing much more humor on my end and probably the same on his end realistically he is really high functioning on very little sleep yeah but i think it's just that he's 
always affected by it. You mean like he has like a sleep deficit that's that's like warped to his... Yeah, like it's not so much that he's high functioning at a sleep deficit. It's that he's been at a sleep deficit for so long that we just don't know what he would look like if he wasn't at one. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's just a theory, though. I think his... Because he laughs easily, and I think his like humor threshold is influenced by being in a constant sleep deficit. <laughs> okay. Certainly at that time. He actually laughs less now, I think. I think. You mean like in general? Yeah. Yeah, at this point in his life, he uh-huh. doesn't laugh as much? Yeah. Oh. Are we calling him out? Well, I don't know. This is just intuition. I don't really know for sure, but he sleeps more. Oh, wow. Do you think there might be... There could be a connection. Are you actually suggesting some kind of inverse relationship between his sleep and his ability to enjoy things? Well, I'm saying it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be terribly surprising. Because it's... That's a pretty common uh, relationship for a lot of people. It certainly is for me. Like our spy fall that we played last night would not have been nearly as funny if it was at three in the afternoon. Oh God, was that last night? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gone to bed. Wait, for real? Yeah, for real. <clears throat> so, how many hours are you at? Um, like thirty-four. My goodness, dude. I, I don't look that pre-med grind really prepares you for. <laughs> I guess <laughs> completely I guess, different man. Men. Yeah. I just can't realistically do that anymore. Well, I'm not saying you should start no. or try. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know what my limits are. I'm not going to drive a vehicle after like 40 hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, that should be a crime. Real talk. I should, uh, it's much more dangerous. Uh, my, I have gotten in, a, in a, many more near accidents from being tired as fuck than anything else. Cause that's the only instance of impaired driving I've ever done. Sure. Back when, back when Uber was coming up, right, like the very start of the rideshare industry, mm. I remember being in class and somebody was, was what was it? It wasn't surgical techniques. It was a uh, whatever. It was one of our design classes, and and just offhandedly the topic came up about like, well, what is Uber? And then the professor was super interested, and then the rest of the, like. 100 minute session became an exploration of like what is, what is the impact of surgeons having access to on demand rideshare services hmm. before and after or in the middle of an emergency not having to worry about that that mental tax of of getting into a car and going from home to the hospital and just all and just hmm that's an interesting concept and then I think not long after, geez, they used to uh, they used to play the Grey's Anatomy show like nonstop mm-hmm. in the design studio <laughs> on on one of the computers. We just we just burned it as a station, and it just became a permanent um, just viewing home. station of just of every episode that just ever going through the seasons. Yeah, yeah, and then looping back to the beginning. Right, right, and. There's an episode where like the there's an ac- there's a dr- there's a road accident and it's it's caused by one of the the doctors driving mm-hmm. impaired and we're just like wow that was 
Did somebody hmm. set that up? <laughs> it's I don't remember the stats, but you're right. It's it's actually a lot more dangerous to drive excessively tired. It's, it's startling the difference to like drunk driving. Oh, agree. It's actually agree. It's a lot more dangerous. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it might even be like a factor of two two digit factor. There are there are people who get really used to being impaired when they're doing certain things. Yeah. Right, but nobody nobody is trying to master drunk driving. driving. Yeah. The problem also, well, particularly with sleep, uh, tired driving is driving is just boring. Oh yeah, I've I found I've I found myself autopiloting it. Yeah. And and I'm more okay with it now, but I, I know I shouldn't be. <laughs> it doesn't uh, it doesn't keep you <clears throat> engaged. Like I found for me that the worst is if I have very little sleep. Uh, either if it was an all nighter situation, or we're talking like several days of sub six hours in a row, which sounds like a lot for some people. But it's not <laughs> much for me. I'm, I'm looking at you. I know some people look at me crazy, but um. This is normally a safe space and we're in your home, but I'm looking at you as you complain about six hours of sleep. <laughs> I won't, I, it won't, it actually won't get too bad at that point. The all nighters where it gets bad, but like the mid afternoon is the worst for me. And ter- when it comes to like attention ability, for some reason with my energy flow, like the morning. Well, when are you, when are you waking up at that point? Like those days, like where you're, you're dragging at like 3 PM. Like when are you waking up? Uh, let's say like nine ish, eight ish, something like that. I remember reading in a coffee table. It wasn't even a coffee table book, but like that's a, so. I had a, had an aunt who was a medical professional, and she would have like like science journals, um, because she's a nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I was staying at her place, I would just be able to read them. And I remember being obsessed with this article. This journal right in my hands of sleep studies that, mm-hmm. that had been done in like god like the late 90s early 2000s and and of course i couldn't understand like maybe half of the copy just how technical it was um but there was a line that stuck out um where like your your mental readiness yeah your your cognitive ability is very much affected by your last three days um, sleep experience. Yep. I can certainly vouch for that in my life. And, and around that time, um, so it was like fourth, fifth grade at this point, I, I was already dealing with insomnia and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to get through some of those days was, was a, it was a challenge. Um, but reading that article, um, it sort of felt like there was an opportunity to to explore that um and if i could just get like one solid like night mm-hmm. um one per three yeah one for three then maybe i would be okay <laughs> and so began the sleep deficit that i would rack up until my mid-20s <laughs> god that was like 15 years wow and i still have like near total control over my sleep schedule now and i think i had a roommate uh don do you remember donnie did you ever interact with him 
I don't think so. So so Donnie would go home for the weekends um, back in college, and his theory was because I never slept during <laughs> the school week that I, mm-hmm. I only slept when he wasn't there, and he wasn't he wasn't wrong <laughs> to be honest. Um, I was thinking about how I met Frank. Frank's Frank was on the first and the third episode, mm-hmm. right? Um, when Frank met me, he thought I was somebody else. Oh. And when I met Frank, I was thinking, I need to remember who this person is <laughs> in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. This is going to get really weird. Huh. He thought I was my, my brother, and it was like 2 a.m., and someone had set up uh, a projector in the in the college, okay. and and they were not far from the Burning Bee, actually. And they were they were playing Marvel versus Capcom, and mm. and Frank had had like demanded a rematch. And I'm looking at this guy going like, I I very well may have played this person at some point in my life. Yeah, and it was a relatively new game, right? And I'm just thinking like, I just I I played a lot. I couldn't remember who he was, but. And I thought maybe I could remember who he was based on how he played. <laughs> One of those, like, you know, like the way of the fist situations in a modern world. Like, this is how I'm going to understand this person. And it... It's not a terrible theory. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think it's true. You can you can absolutely find ways to express yourself in, in games with significant decision-making. Yeah. And... And customization, yeah, right. So even just the color sets, he's just, I, I had I had zero memory of this guy. So it it took mm-hmm. me like a couple rounds of her reels. Oh, he must think I'm my brother. So I queue up with my brother's team, and he's like, "That's what I, he's like. Uh, that's what I wanted I see. <laughs> to fight this whole time." And and I don't know how to play that team. So it was like it was our closest match. Mm. But um, coming out of that. Um, I, I felt like I had earned, or rather, I had, in his eyes, earned. His, I had earned his respect without actually putting in the work. Okay. Yeah. And I wouldn't see him for weeks, right? And he would be walking through um, the dorm one night, and then he would see me coming out of my room, <laughs> and then this is how we like really met, mm. because at this point now I remember this guy, mm-hmm. and and like not five minutes later we're like we're like in my my room we're going through my comics <laughs> we're talking about ah. so so many things that I I would not have have known um, about him from his his gameplay yeah right because he I think he was drawn to that game not because he. He enjoyed, say, the mechanics of it. I feel like he's he, a cast of character. Yeah, yeah, because he's 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 clearly like proficient in in fighting games, but it didn't feel like a game that he grew up playing or was putting in the work. Fair. I think. Um, I think he, he just really wanted to, to play Street Hawkeye, Fighter. And, <laughs> and so was I. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I'm. I don't know if I, actually I don't know if I've ever played Street Fighter. I'm sure I'd be garbage at it. Um, I when played, I tried to teach you Injustice, yes, you had told me you had never played Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you haven't played since then. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't for sure. And that was what? That was four? No, no. No way. Not four. Well, okay. So Agent Carter was on TV. <laughs> no way. Hold on. Not four. I think it was three years ago. It was at Alex's house. 
Alec, not Alex. Yeah, yeah. I was a... I think I was a junior at that point. Because I was not living on campus anymore. And you were still game design focused? I think at that point, yeah. Not 100% sure, but I think at that point, yes. <laughs> it hasn't It hasn't been that long. <laughs> no, no, no. The switch to web development was fairly recently. Right, well, right. Well, granted, I've been at my job for two years, so you know what? Shit, it had to be four years. Yeah. Agent Carter was on TV. <laughs> oh, my God. And I feel like you weren't watching it. Yeah, no, because 20 years. Yeah, I think it would have been four years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that switch for me was three years ago, three and a half years ago, something like that. Closer to three years. And fighting games just never really interested you. No. Or no do any really. two player games interest you? Uh, I feel like we've never really played a two player game. But then this may be one of the only times we've only we've actually been hanging out just the two of us and not in like a parking lot after a movie or something. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> um generally no. I'm more like I'm more into either single player strategy type stuff or um single player or co op story based stuff. Some narratives and yeah. and puzzle structures and Yeah. What about thematically? Is it like the epic that that attracts you? <clears throat> what do you mean? Well the epic is in the storyline. But also in the gameplay, right? Because okay. in, in a fighting game, like regardless of the con, like another world tournament or what have you, or actually, here I'll put it this way: what intrigues me about a game is rarely its gameplay. Oh, <laughs> it's almost always everything else that surrounds it, then Fine. which is then augmented by its gameplay. So the. So the production or the, the feel of it. The world, the story, the art design. Well before you're able to hold the yes. controller or have any kind of input into yes. any of it that needs to draw you in. Yes. Generally speaking, that is correct. Only... only um, this is where we play so many card games. Yeah. Uh, no, even for like strategy games, it still holds true. Yeah, I say generally speaking, yes. I'm really into visual storytelling. No, that's fair. Just in general. That's fair. You know, building any sort of story. I mean, you say that, and, I, and I'm confident that you own the most, like, books, books of everyone in our friend circle in that very modest library that you have over there. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, let's put it that way. I feel like Dylan maybe has a library. I could uh, see him like he, having one and just not saying anything about it. He he does read. This is true. Uh, and Metawar reads. The, the, no, he doesn't. He does. No, he doesn't. He does. No way. I, f you know, I found like a Stephen King book like under his bed. Like, but like under his bed. <laughs> and I'm just like, why is this like here? Why isn't this like on, on the 
he has and it was like the one book but every time like i find like a book in any place he's lived like it's always just like it's not where you would expect a book to be like <laughs> hanging out he has like read shame. i know he enjoys reading to some extent i'm pretty sure we talked about it at one point or another i mean if he's not watching movies he's gotta be doing something Yeah, I think so much of his free time is taken up by the gym. I know. <laughs> I wasn't going to call him out. <laughs> um, well, let's be realistic here. I mean, so much of it is taken up by that, and then there's a good chunk by us, and then a good chunk. Like a healthy chunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, a good chunk. Yeah. Not a bad chunk. A good one. Uh, and then a much larger chunk is Sammy. So, like, that's, like, most of his free time at that point, I imagine. There's probably some... I'm pretty sure he takes work home, too, so work takes up a little extra. <laughs> Is it that he takes work home or that he never really goes in? No, that was only his last, last <laughs> He got He had his sweetheart deal there. Oh, yeah. He'd just do his work whenever he wanted to. Live in the dream. Yeah. Well, you live in the dream, but it was... Uh, there's no like growth for him. <laughs> it was just, it was cool at the time, but it wasn't like what he needed to, to go where he wanted to go at the end of the day. Yeah. Now he, uh, he has regular hours like everyone else. Yeah. It's, it's really lame. I feel like I'm the only person awake sometimes <laughs> yeah. during the day. So you're, <laughs> No, it's funny because um, in in the podcast I did with Alex that got corrupted. Rough. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about was like the mechanics of the nine to five. Oh, now that he had actual experience in it? <laughs> now that he has to go through it? He, well, to be fair, he had experience before because his jobs before his last one yeah, yeah, yeah. were regimented. But, but, but now he's elected he, for it. He got He got kind of unused to it. Yeah. And had to readjust a little bit. Although I don't I don't think it took him very long. But we talked about that a little bit and uh we talked about like ideal work schedules. Um and I was talking about how like for me it's like I kinda I have a good idea of like where my energy flows go, like when my spikes are, when is like the best time for me to push myself into doing something because I'll get the most done in that time. And it's like, like my ideal waking time is probably nine in the morning, roughly. My first energy spike being at like 1030, 10 to 1030. The next one being like two. 10 to 10, is that when you're getting out of your car <laughs> or what is? No, if I was waking a... up at night, because <clears throat> I don't take a lot of time to get ready in the morning. Like between waking up and leaving for the office, I mean, I get there at nine, but between waking up and leaving, you know, we're talking like no more than 30 minutes, no more than that. And if I don't have to go to the bathroom, it's less, it's like 15, 15, 20. This is like real fast. And then I'll pick up something to eat on the way, typically. So like, like 
it's kind of like living on campus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, um, did we just do the whole nine to five episode recap just now? You know, a good chunk of it, let's say. Uh, maybe, maybe not the biggest loss. No, that's fine. There and there's not too much to say. I mean, you have you you have an interesting schedule because because <laughs> I don't have a schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's when I say interesting. That's a cinema synonym right, for right. non-existent. Well, the, the the world of the escape room, it, based on just raw traffic alone, mm-hmm. right? Is it's like a three day work week. Yeah, the weekends, Friday through Sunday. Right. Well, it's it's like on a sliding scale. <laughs> So so maybe it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or maybe it's uh, Saturday, Sunday. Like the like holidays certainly oh, play an impact okay. on on how this works. And then, um, well, uniquely the way we have it set up because our we only do private sessions, which is which like blows a lot of oh. minds of escape room owners. Are like. How how is that viable? Granted, how else would you? And I'm do like it? I'm like, why are you putting like three you different just, families in the same yeah, room? You put or, yeah, yeah, different people. That doesn't make any. I'm sense. like, we just charge these people <laughs> like a significant amount of money, and you want to like make yeah. them share this experience with. They gotta have strangers. a good experience. With yeah, no, right, right. Well, else, what's the point? And, and so you don't so, go to an escape room by yourself. That's stupid. Well, so so there is a community of people that do unless, this. Unless you're like speed running, you know? <laughs> right, right. Unless you're like trying to get through like competitive it's like a bragging point or something yes for you. yeah get those stamps get, get those gym badges and yeah. and like i used to joke and then someone reached out to us and they said no really we this is something we do uh would you be willing to <laughs> you know stamp these passports certified. as they come through yeah certify yeah, completion that's success it's like wow that's okay awesome. yeah i'm here for you um but but really a lot like our business because of that that restriction that we place on ourselves, mm-hmm. it, it means that we're dealing with like, like corporate teams or, or larger families like during the week. But you're you open. Will. You're open. all. We're, we're theoretically open like every, but it's all every booked day. in advance. But yeah. Yeah. And so then if know. someone's on site, then yeah, if you want to take some walk through traffic, like, well, one it's walk through traffic. That's insane. There's previously, there was no reason to, to walk through this complex. Um, but now that we have, um, mm-hmm. Like the best cookies in the world being made <laughs> next to us for 14 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> There's some random traffic on that side. Okay. Uh, but yes. Uh, and yeah, escape rooms don't seem like a very walk-in friendly business. No. So the experiment in the last uh, couple of years is if your franchise is big enough, um, can you set up in a mall? Yeah. One, like, like if your malls are still alive where you are, like mm-hmm. that's great. Then maybe, maybe give that a shot. It just seems like a waste of time. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just set up in a much cheaper area. Yes. Oh God. Market online. Mm. Maybe throw up some physical signage somewhere if you want. Right. Well, when you compare that, like, oh, this space at the mall is say seven times more per foot. Yeah. A month. Very expensive. And the spaces are three to four times bigger by default versus yeah. other proven viable models then huh. like you really need to be churning out those numbers and again yeah, you, this is why it's an experiment right? you so really the biggest be, places are trying it you really ought to be in like a warehouse district you know yeah yeah it's like what am i gonna do with like, these storefront like windows? a low a low crime area yes. that's also <laughs> industrial and cheap you know yeah you know ideally <laughs> ideally yeah or even like 
oh, you know what would be great is the second floor of those um, uh, outdoor shopping center type setups where they have like first floor like restaurants and stuff. And there's like a second floor. Yes, yeah, like so I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I think the biggest mistake with opening up in a mall area is you're you have this specific price point, right? Of say like thirty dollars or anywhere from like twenty to forty, depending on where you are in the in mm-hmm. the states, like per person mm-hmm. per attempt in the game. Yeah, and and you're in a mall. You know, it's yeah. very like transient space where people are moving through, and maybe they don't want to commit an hour to your store, and then you're charging them up front. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, it's like it takes an hour. Sure. You know, you're committing to or a whole you're, hour. Or you're, you're stationed not. directly next to say a theater. Or an yeah. arcade, or even just a stray, like, even just like a crane machine. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, the damage that a crane machine can do to, <laughs> <laughs> to an entire escape room industry? Yeah. Just existing outside of, oh my God. Yeah, because it's the, the timing. The timing thing is what makes walk walk ins very tough to do. Yeah. Unless you could build, like, 15 minute or 30 minute versions. But then it's you're like losing the soul of the purpose of not necessarily business. not necessarily um, shorter games um, even smaller person games uh, even single player experiences you know I mean the extreme end of all of this is like uh, the oh geez the virtual reality experience mm. right true um, so if that has a market and it's it's hard to say that it does in in like a public space mm-hmm. um then any level up from that is valid escape experience territory true yeah i have seen i've never seen it in person but i've seen that there are vr arcades popping up in malls and similar type locations oh yeah there's a few companies that are really trying to push it and they have been for it's years not, now it's not a terrible like pre oculus era like they it's, were still at it yeah it's it's really actually not a terrible <clears throat> idea because you're only the commitment you're asking is much more reasonable you know it could be 15 30 minutes yeah yeah. or it could be longer and the person gets sucked in <laughs> you know because it's vr Just the search for a whale willing to stand there for two hours behind a curtain for <laughs> several hours i could see it see it happening yeah and then maybe you maybe you also sell the equipment proper yeah someone like someone like went to like get a shirt at banana republic and they're just like oh vr this is interesting i'll pop in for five minutes and then like three hours later they're like shit now i don't have any money for my shirt well i just want to be clear that nobody looking for <laughs> a shirt at banana no, republic is also looking for <laughs> making oh up man scenario rough So, so as far as escape rooms go, obviously you say your work week is mostly just a few days, but are you like available to run games on any day just based on schedule? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you try to staff regularly. I mean, you, you can, personally. But, oh, case. yeah, I, I have to flex. Um, there, there's uh there's also the distinction, um, that when when say multiple groups pop up at the same time mm-hmm. because you've allowed that to happen on a weekend or, or yeah. on a high traffic day yeah, multiple just, operators. right yeah 
um, maybe they are overwhelmed or there's a something happens um, that needs to be repaired or addressed or just just something happens that's outside the normal realm mm -hmm. of, of the game right and you can't really you want to believe you can train <laughs> for a number of uh, potentially relevant scenarios yes yeah, i imagine it's tough uh, but you know when somebody's water breaks and you're just like oh okay um that was the first game of the day <laughs> and now we have to adjust for all the things that could be happening yeah. in the rest of the day like like that's the extreme end and you hope you, that never happens to you again <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but well i guess what's what's more realistic um a party shows up um out of their their expected time slot say and yeah like so 10 minutes late or something like that well no like, like let's go super extreme right so a, like a no call no show shows up uh 40 minutes later um like a genuine misunderstanding as to mm -hmm. like when they had actually booked the room okay and and now you have to like triage that situation uh that shouldn't be a difficult thing um in 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 like well any kind of scheduled service industry right yeah um there should be something some like common ways to handle that kind of yeah, situation yeah yeah and and some facilities are prepared to to deal with that and others are just like well we we kind of need you to come back later or you, you would think that everyone is able to do that mhm mm but what what I'm finding in research is that in actuality, uh, any kind of like fuck up on like the, the parties end is just like you just default. You lose your your investment in, in whatever you have because these places are 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 too busy to try to work in um, an emergency scheduling for, for something like that. Yeah, because someone else has <clears throat> the room for the next hour. Yeah, yeah. And if and if you've and you need 30 minutes in between. Right. Runs. And I, I don't want to bring this up because like in the context of a mall, right? Like what, what if that happens there? Um, you hope you can work something out. And if, if everyone's here like on a whim, then yeah, that's probably the case. But if you're, if you're an event center, which is ultimately what most of these escape places become, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's like a venue, like, like you scheduled like a ballroom say. Yeah. And, and then you, you expect to have like the two hours there for whatever you're, you're yeah. trying to do and if that doesn't happen in that schedule well you scheduled this like a month and a half in advance mm -hmm. and people drove out or, or accommodations were made or and uh, and i hate it when this happens when when like when 30 people uber into your um your your complex mm -hmm. at, at 7 a.m on the wrong day <laughs> oh jesus during their corporate retreat like that's oh, just no. like okay yeah i i will find a way to to accommodate that so so if i understand this right you you're a part owner and you're an operator of the yeah. space yeah that's right your job i'm assuming primarily is just running the games fixing stuff in between games keeping the space tidy and whatnot right something in, in that realm uh plus also like building the games adjusting the games and designing the the games, yeah, yeah a lot of these are, are because we have such an elite advance on our larger groups especially you can kind of customize these for the intent of the party if it's some kind of if there's some kind of say um, performance assessment involved in all of this 
and somebody wants a write-up <laughs> or an accounting of mm-hmm. certain players in the room uh these are these are things we can do on site um, uniquely because of like our 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 backgrounds um we, we were able to like come up with a like a standard for all of this um mm. and without having to like release um footage say mm. or, or like a anything that would require significantly more <laughs> production than just the like a formal report the the day after to whoever higher up wanted to see it uh, we're, we're able to do things um that most places don't care about to do or, or it's it's absolutely not in like the like the mainstream escape rooms are just entertainment centers, mm-hmm. right? And and they understand that um, for just about everyone, no one's really here to play your game. They're just here to spend time with each other. Yeah. And, and thank God they understand at least that, yeah. <laughs> right? But there are so many other applications of of games in general, and especially escape rooms that you can that you can offer that you can that you can explore. Um, you you wanted to design games, but you didn't want to just design not not design develop for for anybody right you you knew what games you liked and what kind of messages you wanted to yeah promote in those games and and there's there's a range of um of experiences that you can absolutely promote in an escape room um some places really like to jump into like the horror side of things right and so instead of really an escape experience experience it's a suspense experience it's a shared you know group um, trauma, if you will, the, what do you call it? Like the haunted house experience mm-hmm. or the, but not like, not like the Disney haunted house, but like the, like the terror, yeah. um, is something that they can lean into. They'll, <laughs> and then these are the same actors who are at those seasonal or, um, high profile events right because yeah. this is this is this is their passion the they, theme parks yeah yeah part of the rise of uh, escape rooms um, how quickly it came up in in the states was uh, how on board some of the set designers were mm. in in haunted houses and in fact the the early conventions for escape rooms were not standalone events they were piggybacked side things on haunted on haunted house sets and oh. so you like like not like a, a spirit of halloween haunted house set but no like a like we're gonna restore this property <laughs> and and get new parking permits to uh-huh. accommodate people coming through this area and yeah licenses to mess with them that makes sense because i think i think the first time i was ever exposed to escape rooms was a horror escape room not one that i did but um seeing someone go through that you were just you like were a, watching a them youtube somehow? video or something like that yeah oh that that's fair sort of years ago i have done a single escape room in my life have you really i honestly thought you hadn't played yeah. any no i went with the, it was a company thing team builder oh this was out of town is that right no no this was in uh this is in town it was in uh Oh, okay. No, no, Alex. Alex told me one about one. Yeah, I think he's the one out of town. I saw that photo. Yeah, no, the one I did was with coworkers. Um, I think it was in Chandler or Gilbert. I was Gilbert. I think it was Gilbert Escape Room. Yeah, sure. Uh, Or Gilbert Escape or something like that. 
It's one of do you remember? Do you remember the theme of it? It was. Um, Oh my god! I think I'd recognize the picture, like the poster, immediately. There was definitely. Uh, it was like a uh, robbery theme, like a diamond robbery or something. Some like kind that. of heist setup. Yeah, sure. I think it, I think it was like a diamond heist. I want to say. A lot of locks. <laughs> How long ago was this? Um. Okay, so this was the old marketing team. So this would have been what, maybe about a year ago. Sure. Well, ultimately, so it it doesn't matter to me. But the this is one of those those things that upsets me um, about when people say like, yeah, I I, I played an escape room, mm-hmm. I guess, with the corporate or whatever the context was, and they they can't remember the experience. <laughs> they don't have like a memory that stuck out to them, if not about the set or I can, the design of it. I can actually remember most of the room. It's just hard for me to sure. translate it. Sure. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like to put it into words. Put it into words. Is yeah. is very difficult. Um Yeah, there are a lot of different a lot of different locks with different sure. types of combinations. Sure. But do you remember like the conversations or the interactions that you had with this was with the marketing team back then? Yeah. Um like not having moments not that you much. can remember, that you can pull, yeah, that you much. could have like bonded over or, or talked about, joked about with with the people that you played that game with. Like this is a it's like a one time experience for a lot of people. And if you don't like remember anything about it, and 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 what did I say earlier? Like people aren't really here to play your game. Yeah, they're here to like hang out with each other. Yeah, no, I think it's more of a more of a function of the team. Right, because because you didn't really experience. like you didn't really all elect to be there. The you were you were told to go there for. Cool. No, it was. I mean, it was optional. You didn't have to go. Oh, okay. I wanted yeah, to go. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. I, I I chose to go. I would you know I would love to do an escape room. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, but <laughs> my team, we had uh, we had the VP of marketing on my team. So, <laughs> I know the dynamic. So yeah. that uh, I think that threw everything off a little bit. Sure. Sure. And he was he was a very brash guy. That's very, yeah, very Chicago. Oh, okay. Kind of guy. So um so yeah, I think that threw off the vibe a little bit maybe. The yeah, uh you you've been in an escape room. You can say that. Yes. I don't think you've played an escape game. Perhaps. We didn't we didn't win. We lost. Oh, well regardless. Like we we make the distinction. Uh, we were kind of close, though. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's super important, to, really, to any designer that the people that end up like using or being exposed to whatever their their product or design, mm-hmm. you know, have some kind of opinion about it or or get to yeah. Like even if it's not that's how you organically build build uh, customers over time. Sure. Sure. Um, and it's kind of a ego thing too. Probably. <laughs> yeah. To be fair. But there, but when that when there is no opinion after it, right? Like a person just knows that, like, well, according to like my calendar and all historical <laughs> like checkpoints, I can yeah. I can refer to. I I have been in an escape room. Uh huh. That's a that's a design fail. Uh huh. Right. That's a that's a that's a fail on so many levels. Um, yeah. And you were there for a work thing, and so I'll give it a pass. Like I won't I wouldn't count that against the the designer. Or the or the team that ultimately ended up um, presenting that that game to you, right? 
but can you imagine that reaction in any other like entertainment industry? Like, yeah, I went to this Marvel movie and I know I went. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It would be a, be a sign of a mediocre product. Yeah. And you're like, and how could people like get addicted to that or, or really fall in love with, with this, this it's a, hobby. It's a suboptimal first experience. Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of people, you know, as, as much only experience. Yeah. It's yeah. their only experience. And, and I hate that. That's true. I hate that so much. So how much of your traffic is corporate gigs versus non-corporate gigs? You mean like, like by game or like by head? Like, how do you want to work this out? Let's say by, by like by run. By, yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, about one in four one in five is corporate yeah yeah and they're not always like at the level like we need to book the whole store for Damn. like 30 some people but like even just, a, just even just like a team of like five or six yeah right like if shutterfly wants to come through and it's just like their 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 immediate team yeah so we our group would have been 15 ish right i yeah. think i think there's th- i think they split us into three groups and you just correctly. played the the, the Three different games three simultaneously. Different games simultaneously yeah. Yeah, and then because they had four running. So, time. so you know, my question is: did, Was there a moment where you all, not not you all, but just just some of you from one game went over to talk to another team from another game about the there was experience they just had there outside was of like gloating? Because apparently you didn't get out. No, we lost. Did anyone get out? Did anyone succeed? I should say. Oh my god, I don't remember. And you can't even remember that much, right? Like, like just a binary, did you win or lose? Like, can't even remember that. I think like, that's super I mediocre. Think one team won. I think. But I'm not 100%. <laughs> that's, that's like an, that's like an 82.7%. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I have very high standards for, for just about everything that well, that I do, that's that's good. That's right, how you should live life. And so, like when there's that, when there's that one person in the group that's like clearly just not feeling it. I mean, maybe you never could like reach that person through your escape room, your escape experience, or maybe it's because of the party that they came in with, or, mm-hmm. or whatever outside factor that you couldn't control. Like they, you, you have to let those go, right? But when like a whole group, and I'm not saying you represent everyone in that that party that that. Yeah, that played. If none of them say if they were all out here, and they gave the same kind of description as you did, and it's only been a year, right? That's that's a clear fail. Uh, so me. and and I would I would never allow that to happen again. So from the experience, I think part of it for me is I expected to be a lot better at it than I was. <laughs> okay, what was what was your con- contribution? I to, think, can you remember that much? Okay, so there was a step towards the end that I was primarily figuring out that everyone else was actually struggling pretty hard with. It was a, it was a geometric puzzle with pieces of paper that we unlocked throughout solving the other puzzles. So you this, found these in pieces. Yeah. So this was kind the, of meta, this meta was meta puzzle. The, the culmination yeah, of yeah. all that stuff. This was, I think if we had solved it fully, that was the last step if I remember correctly. Okay. And we were like 80 or 90% of the way there. And it was a bunch of triangular pieces of paper. With but you did have all the pieces you need to, I, at that point. I think at the at the end we did. Sure. Okay. Um, okay. 
So they're triangular pieces of paper with uh, like uh, marks, like circular marks with paths between them. So you have to like line them up and create the shape, which mapped to something. I don't remember the details of it, um, but I was like lining them up and it's it's a very visual that. intelligence yeah. leaning. And then puzzle. there was, I did find the code for for one or two of the locks, and then okay. I I think I had seen something that somebody else needed to know that I thought was going to be something that we needed, but like it wasn't clear. And then like 20 minutes later, we actually needed it. Hey, something like that. Um, I think I did that a couple times. Uh, and I found, I found some of the locks that are not immediately obvious. They're kind of like slightly hidden. Like you gotta like sure. look through a door yeah. or something to find it. So I found some of those instances. And and you felt, that your presence in the room was was a positive factor overall toward your group's success. Like yeah, that, that clearly that that's what's coming up here. But yeah, but did your presence in the room contribute positively to everyone else's experience in the room? That's a good question. And really, that's what a team builder should probably <laughs> encourage. Ideally, yeah? yes. You yeah. should you should feel needed or I, essential. I or think actually, I do think it did help um, with with some team building uh, with a couple of my coworkers who were in the group who I already kind of knew and kind of liked. So we just kind of became a little closer as a result. Well, of, that's important of yeah. doing it and then talking about it afterwards when we went to. Um, to a, a bar restaurant that was close by. Oh afterwards. well, maybe that's why you can't remember what happened. No, I didn't. I didn't drink <laughs> hardly anything. I, I think maybe had a beer. A hey, okay. Was, would you have, would you have imbibed more if you'd won? No. <laughs> <laughs> you were still in the presence of the VP of marketing, and oh, it's just not really my personality anyway. Okay. Okay. Regardless of that. He drank more than us. Uh, that was the actually the one thing about that night that is quite memorable is he didn't drink that much. Though. I made it. I make it sound like it was. It wasn't. It <laughs> you really don't wasn't. work there anymore. It really wasn't. Um, no, I technically still do, though he doesn't. But I do. Hey, okay. Um, uh, the one thing that is memorable is he leaked that the company was changing his name to all of us because he. We didn't know yet. Changing his name? No, the company was changing oh. its name. Wait, is this the same company? I thought you switched companies. Because nope. I remember you in one shirt we one day. Names. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Infusionsoft to keep. Yeah. So, But he didn't tell us what the name was. He's just like, he kind of like offhandedly mentioned like, yeah, you know, like we're changing names or whatever. I don't even remember the context. And everyone was just like, wait, wait, what? Like, Kind of like everyone just like just stopped and was like, "Hold on, what?" And he's like, "Wait, you didn't know?" <laughs> <laughs> was he covering his tracks at that point? Or? Okay, yeah. there were a cu- a couple of people there did know, but uh, most of us didn't because it was not wide knowledge. It was just senior leadership and directors. That's about it. I think that knew at that point. So, um, so. What he did tell us is he told us the names that we didn't go with. 
Oh, okay. So they can were, you talk about those? I don't. I honestly don't even remember them. Um, they were all <clears> awful. <laughs> do Do you think this was the best of them? Yes, it was the best right. of them for sure, and it it's honestly not even close. They were bad. They were bad <laughs> names, straight up bad names. I think maybe one or two of them were just like eh, whatever, but several of them were just bad names. Like that would have been a bad decision to pick that name. Am I going to be your first guest to run out to the bathroom during the recording? Uh, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. I can... gonna, you should put that in the title. <laughs> I could cut it, I guess. Not again. First cuts. Since we had a break, I thought I'd stick a little mid-roll in here and ask you to consider rating or subscribing on whatever platform you happen to be listening on. You can find SpyFi After Dark on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other places. I created this podcast to talk with my friends and have a good time, but they also have really cool things to say and views that I think a lot of people would appreciate. And if you're one of those people, maybe consider sharing the podcast on Facebook or Twitter or wherever else you spend your time. I'd really appreciate it. To any of those other names <laughs> made you less enthused about working where you work? That is a good question. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Some of them, even though I don't remember them, I viscerally remember how bad they were. Like, I just remember the feeling of being like, that is awful. I am so glad we didn't choose that. Those those same visceral reactions. Do you have any from your gameplay experience in the <laughs> escape room? Was there a was there a flub? Was there a no? Um, there was something with uh one of the puzzles it involved a poker table. Oh, I know exactly game, which game you played. <laughs> It, oh, okay. it was it wasn't sure yet there's like then. a slot machine and a poker yeah table. yeah yeah i think you're stealing diamonds i want to say you're stealing or a diamond basically everything like it's it's whatever they have available uh that's still like intact okay <laughs> well in our case in our case i believe it was a diamond yeah uh, which was in a case um but yeah so this one with the poker table there was like hands had been dealt out they were face mm-hmm. up yeah and i'm like trying to figure out what the hands mean were you trying to bring in like other game knowledge into it? I used, I was poker. Just, yeah, yeah. Well, anything. yeah. Obviously, I've played right poker before, yeah. so I'm trying to bring that in, trying to like find out the pairs, like like any suits like lining up, or and I don't even remember what the patterns were, but I think we it was ultimately useful. Later, we figured out like with so we needed something else to make it make sense. And you remember like all of those moments where like, oh, that thing that we found earlier. Yeah, vaguely. I, re- I remember more. I remember more okay. the feeling than I do like the specific. Sure. Well, I mean, well, we, we hope you don't remember the specific details of yeah. the puzzle, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's all experience. 
based design. I think honestly, the the shortcoming of that particular game that I played was that it was just too over reliant on locks. Sure. There wasn't enough variation in it. Mm-hmm. And there were like some seeds of really good ideas. Like I love like using the poker table was cool. And they, you know, there was like to come up with a combination, you had to look through a dictionary, certain pages and like certain words were circled or something like that. There, yes. there are a few like yeah. interesting little mini puzzles in there, right. but it just all went towards combinations to locks, which is kind of like undercut the experience a little so bit. So I also kind of know when you played this this game then. Okay, when do you uh, think it was? It was in the fall of that year. Yes, I think yeah. this would have been fall 2018. Right. Because we changed the company name January 19 this oh, okay. year. Oh, sure. And the company as at large learned the new name in like either late fall or early winter 18. And the team builder would have happened a few months before that. Because our team also learned the name before everyone else in the company. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had to rebrand the website. So. Oh, that was on you. Yeah. Okay. So. That's that's what we do primarily is we right. maintain the website and the marketing. That's what I do primarily. Our department still a bulk of our work is based on the website. So actually, more than just about everyone else in the company, you have had to physically manipulate like the name of your company. Yes. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. So. Yep. I I have affected the public image of the company more than the vast majority of our employees. Right. There's a. So I, I can tell when you when you played that game based on like the descri- the descriptions you were able to to give me of mm-hmm. that room because one of those that's one of those rooms that fascinates me locally um, because they've never they've never rebranded that room. Really? Yeah, but 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 I bring it up because um, it's had several like complete redesigns. Like you would not even recognize it was the same game if mm-hmm. not for say like the stickers. That are in that room with that say like don't touch this <laughs> with your company logo. It, it it bothers me that that happens um, without trying to tell people that it's a new game. Wait, when you say rebranding that game, do you mean the the game itself? The game or it has the changed company? so much. No, not the game. Okay, uh, like I, it's still Gilbert Escape Room, right? It, it's one of them. Yeah. Oh, there's uh, more than one. There, there are actually. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I don't really want to talk about any, like, particular business or, or like their history or anything like that. But, um, game design, especially in this in this um, medium, right, the medium of, of real life, yeah. if you will, can be can be so dynamic, mm-hmm. and and being able to change a game for a group is is great right yeah. but then when you have that data over time to be able to adapt a game for um or to meet like different goals expectations for the people that are coming into your business maybe you've established like a tone mm-hmm. as, a, as a company uh and then you want to adjust your games to sort of reflect that mm-hmm. or or your demographic has somehow become like all kids and birthday parties and things like that this has happened to some people mm. and then you now that that's your brand you have to kind of embrace it especially if you're um that's your niche and the yeah and in, in this um escape slice of town actually well this is one of the more dense um 
cities in North America for escape rooms, Greater Phoenix area. There's quite a few. It's it's actually insane. Uh, and so when some it's of them a, get to specialize, that's great. It's actually, if you think about it, it's a really good city for escape rooms. Well, it's a really good a city for gaming. Be- yeah, because A, it's hot as fuck yes. for most of the year. Yeah, you know how this works. So you got to be inside. Right. We're all indoor B, kids. space is cheap. Yes. <laughs> and plentiful. And finding big, big spaces is not hard. And you can find them in areas with decent traffic. And overall, the valley is quite accessible. Yes. Um, but also from like a technology standpoint, right? Um, There's you can also, also consider like that good like, schools. With yeah, yeah. And our internet across the state is like higher than average. Yeah. By like a wide margin. There's, there's good, good general technical aptitude. Right, right. And so like when, when people hear and react to like the idea that Phoenix is like a video gaming haven and, and they're trying to wrap their heads around that, I'm like, look at all the, look at all the factors that come into play. Mm. Like it absolutely is. For, uh, what, video gaming? For video gamings, yeah. And then. For what, what part of video gaming? Uh, are you referring com- to? Like com- com- competitive video gaming. A lot of, a lot of teams will relocate out here. Okay. Um, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just, um, cause obviously the game, there's game development as game well. Deve- well, that industry is very, not, not very developed in Phoenix. Sure. Uh, what do you, what would you call it? Like, like triple A game design. Absolutely not. Triple A is non-existent. No, no, no. Um, but ed- edu- educational, um, mobile and, yeah. um, there's, there's what a, do we call it? A now? good handful of those. And like and like web based like marketing gaming like I, that's yeah. I hate all of that <laughs> I hate specifically like that that branch of, of all of it yeah that's fair um that that all that's all being developed here um there's yeah there's a few there's at least a few dozen yeah the only even remotely AAA studio is Rainbow Studios in the <laughs> Valley that, yeah that's true um and they are not they're not even close to what they used to be. Uh, funny story. I went to Rainbow Studios in person in ninth grade. As like a school thing? As a summer camp thing. Wild. They they went out of their way to provide a summer camp experience. Yeah, they did this for a few years. This in is, 2009. Yeah. Summer camp that, was uh, called Camp Game. Camp Game. It's a game design summer camp. That's where I fell in love with game design. I already liked it. Yeah. But that's that threw me all the way over the edge. Um, and in, in my case, there was, so they had two tracks. They had a design track and an art track. Yes. Which <clears> was <throat> unique for a summer camp experience. Um, and I think after my year, there were two literal camps of people at the same there. Yeah. Two separate yeah. tracks. And then, and those were like two weeks each. And then after that, there was a four week, uh, you could go to, you, you didn't have to obviously, but you could, if you could afford it go to do a capstone experience basically where you work with a team of people and you make a game which i did thankfully you sure it was called camp game yes was game an acronym i don't think so it was run by ashish i don't know if you ashish and rush yes yes i was a ta (laughs) (laughs) yeah i also had to like straight up unofficially teach one of his classes um, that's great. Yeah, no, I um, in that in that experience for the design portion, the first two weeks. So we were using Unreal Engine three, which had recently wait, come wait, out. Wait, 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 hold on. This, 
was that the first year? No, I don't think so. Well, okay. Real question: Are you in any of their promotional, like photos? Probably, that, yeah. Because then that would be the first time I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Actually, I think I would. I mean, I don't know if that if their website exists anymore. Because I don't know if the it probably doesn't anymore. But I'm sure the assets are recoverable. Um, but yes, no. I I think I remember seeing myself in some uh, of the yeah, on, yeah. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, no, so so for the design portion, I got, won an award. It's, it's one of the best uh one of the best outputs for my my group. Um so it was unreal. We built two levels, one in the first week, one in the second week. Uh this is Unreal Development Kit, the first like public version of Unreal Engine. Oh jeez, that was awful. Um, <laughs> Unreal Engine three. Yeah. And it shipped with like a very light version of Unreal Tournament. Yeah. So we made levels for that. Right. In the level designer. Yeah. Um so that was that was great. Uh they I won um a license for three D S Max. Oh, right on. Yeah. <laughs> that was did you know that was on the line when yes. you were Oh okay. <laughs> yep. So 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 in your okay, so now now that we have the context of you as a designer in a very short period of time, uh-huh. uh what were the goals that you wanted to meet that you thought you could use to that you really could realize to get to this this prize? Cuz at this point you're not designing for general public. You're designing to impress like a panel of judges that you don't really know but you've Yeah. You know some things about them and they've been teaching you and I think I focused on I think I focus primarily on presentation. The presentation of the game or your reason, your of ability to deliver it. Oh, okay. Um, so both of my levels that I built included interior and exterior areas. And I just want to, you can remember these levels, <laughs> right? More than you can vaguely, remember vaguely, this escape room vaguely. that we're trying to piece it's, together. Considering how long ago I made them. Yeah. Yes. This was a decade ago. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't fully remember them, but I remember parts. I can see some images in my head. Um, so they both had indoor and outdoor areas, uh, which heightened everything. And I did like a ton of meshes and like, I really got into it. It was probably the best, the best looking. But you were meshing too? Were you in the, no, no, I wasn't making meshes. Oh, so you were, you were firmly in the game design camp, not the art Fully level design. Yeah. So they came with, uh, obviously Unreal had um, Unreal Tournament assets with it. A bunch oh, of static right. mesh assets. Yeah. Um, Forgot. And they came with a, a couple levels um, from Unreal Tournament 3. So I used like some inspiration from that and did a bunch of kit bashing. And I think I had the best looking levels from that camp. There were there was like three winners out of like two dozen people, but I think I had the best looking ones. In my were they opinion. were they different categories that they had? No, just just best overall, best three overall. Yeah, very cool. And then there was same for the art side, but I, I wasn't on that side. And then I did the capstone, um, and we made a game called Shadows of Windsor. We had a main hmm. character who had a top hat and a monocle. And basically, it was a, pu- <laughs> it was a puzzle game. Um, 
it was a puzzle game where i've seen your game you have i've seen your game okay so i knew your work product before i met you that's hilarious that's <laughs> awesome that's funny yeah, I don't know if I have any collateral from it anymore. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So so how big was that team? Because that wasn't a solo effort. Okay, you know? you um, had four weeks to work on that. Let me let me try and remember. There were... Let's see. One, two, three... I think four designers. One programmer. Sure. It's either two or three artists. Are these artists from the art camp? Or yeah. okay, I think it was three. Um, but some of them clearly had, I think, some additional experience. Um, the programmer did for sure because he, oh, he didn't learn that in the camp. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. that, um, and then we also got assistance from our TAs. Right. Yeah. Um, one of them is Jeff. Jeff Wall. I don't know if you ever met him. I think I did. Yeah. Um, years later, I... Uh, Wool. Jeff Wool. Wool? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, years later, I got a beta invite for Unreal Engine 4. Uh, closed beta invite. This would have been a year before it was actually released to the public. Um, and at the time... Uh, I invited him and Keshav, his friend Keshav, to come check it out. This random random side tangent. Um, so yeah, I think it was I think it was eight of us plus the TAs, primarily. And then Ben hopped in every now and again, helped out with some advice. Mostly it was just troubleshooting. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's like most of your time at a certain point in the. Yeah, Ben development. Ben is, was our was the design teacher and also the teacher for the capstone. He's great. I would love to do a podcast with him at some point. I haven't reached out yet, but I will. He's a cool guy. He he's actually really into fighting games. He made a fighting game called Aztez. Spell that A Z T E Z. Oh. It's like black and white with tons of red gore. I may have I'll seen pull, this. I'll pull up some collateral so you can see what I'm talking about. That that sounds really familiar, actually. He was working on it for a long time. He got um. He worked with with a partner, and they got funding from investors to to work on the game for a while. I think they eventually used it up and kept working part time to finish it. I'm not 100% on that. I'm just guessing based on context. Images. Oh, there we go. It's on the Google Play Store. <coughs> Is that right? I don't know. I'm not sure if they ever ported <coughs> it to, to mobile. It was primarily a PC. Um, and actually console, I think. <gasps> oh, shit. Uh-oh. We just spilled some water. We did. Because uh, this is a two-person effort. It looks like I'm going to have to cut this one more time. Where did we cut? I went from... Oh, where did we cut? I think we were talking about, about Aztec. Aztec. Right? Yeah. So, so yeah, Ben did did all the art and all the design, did all the mechanics and stuff. And I think he did some 
he actually did some combat design consulting for uh, one of the God of War games. Oh, wild. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been... That was during the course of development of Aztec. I think it was... God I mean, at, at the earliest, it was three. Yeah. 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 I think it was three. The super quick time heavy version of... Was there, one af- <laughs> was there one after three? Was oh, there four? It's still going, man. I know it's still going, yeah. but like in that... In that, in that era, yeah. Like at earliest, it was three. It was potentially four. Like it was more likely which four. Was, which was the first PlayStation 4 one? I don't know. I actually haven't played any of the PS4 God of Wars. Mm. Well, it doesn't really matter, but I, I know he did. He consulted for one of them. He might have done it more than once, as far as I know. Um, but yeah, he's cool. He would have consulted on the the interface design more than... No, combat there. design was his. Well, thing. yeah, uh, the. Well, but if it's quick time heavy, it probably wasn't. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I really have no <laughs> idea. Well, when we get him I on, I know it was one of them. I'll have to ask him one of these That's days. That's funny. Um, but yeah, he's he's very cool. He's very smart, very into the stuff, uh, and he's very versatile, which is the thing that's quite impressive. Have you kept up with any of your? You know, early award-winning design team. <laughs> award-winning design team? Well, I was the award-winning design team for for the purposes oh, of Shadows, the Shadows of Windsor didn't pick up any other accolades? I don't think so. No. <laughs> there was no well, you don't You don't remember it. Oh, There's okay. no, I mean, it, it's not like it would have beat anything. I mean, if it, if it validates your efforts at all, um, I did see it in a future <laughs> catalog yeah that's hilarious that's that's amazing as soon as you were describing that character i've seen these assets the chicken bots yeah that don't walk oh i didn't know they didn't walk yeah the animation (laughs) got fucked up they we like so you had sprites that were animated to walk and then they well it's full it's full 3d well yeah yeah um they'd done the animations but somewhere along the line they bugged out so they're just they're just never involved just floating yeah with uh, chickens Sliding chickens. Yeah, with yeah, with uh, light cones for their sight. Yeah, yeah. These these sentries <laughs> just yep. patrolling. The and area. you have to use your you use a um, a flybot. This is this to is complete so cool. puzzles. Like, I, was, I was not expecting to like come into <laughs> this tonight. Going like, oh wow, yeah. I kind of knew you before you. That's hilarious. That's amazing. That was a really fun. That was that was my best school age summer by far. You didn't do future game camps after that? I TA'd a couple of them. Oh, okay. Do you have any standout moments from, did you meet any future, like, real potential kids? <laughs> no. Ours, Even just the passion for it? I think, I think I skipped a year. Like, uh, the year TA. after the one that I went, I didn't, wasn't involved at all, I don't think. And it was sure. 11th grade and 12th grade summers were the ones where I was the TA. Um, and both times is not because they, they had it just, they didn't get as many people. So that's true. Stats yeah. were not on our side. And then you ended up having to combine the middle school and high school. I, I remember having a meeting about like, is this going to be okay <laughs> if we yeah. branch out and try uh, to- spoiler alert. It wasn't. Yeah. Some of us knew that. Um, but I don't know if it would have been sustainable if that hadn't have happened. 
at the time. Or it wasn't sustainable anyway, but at the time. That's true. Um, but yeah, no, the first year I TA'd, um, Ben was teaching. The second year I TA'd, I don't think Ben taught that, actually. I think it was... I mean, at that point, he was, was he was too busy developing God of War 4. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because 3 had already come out at that point. Um, oh, then it definitely would have been 4. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was doing 4. Yeah, no, it would definitely have been 4 if 3 came out at that no point. Because he, he would have... That combat design... Because, okay, yeah, the second year... Or the first year I did, I was a TA and he was teaching. That's when I learned about Aztecs. That's when he showed me it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think he would have done the consulting the next year, I want to say. Yeah, I do remember my brother playing Aztecs. And so it's it's funny to know now that that was locally developed. Yeah. Like in-house. <laughs> it was locally developed and for a time developed in Mexico. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, they yeah. moved. they moved to Mexico for... I think somewhere between six months and a year to stretch out their funds farther. Yeah. Cause it's it, just the two of them. Yeah. Cause it took a lot longer than they anticipated. I think, I think there's a, an element of perfectionism involved. I mean, when it's your, when it's your one game, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and to be fair, it's, it's not <laughs> their one game cause they had flash, they had flashbang studios, which they did before. And they made a bunch of, uh, HTML five games with unity i think oh, i don't know that um bunch of uh, when i say a bunch like i think a good and a half dozen or between a half dozen and a dozen um so they certainly had a lot of experience uh between that and some other stuff they've done but uh but yeah that first year i ta'd we probably played just as much combat evolved as we actually worked on levels <laughs> Because we all we were in a computer lab in the computing commons, and we could all get yes. together in the same lobby. To be fair, I encourage this, right? You you need to know what you're trying to make before you go off to make it. Yeah, and you should never stop trying to reassess what your goals are. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's too bad that could have been a good program. Game design. It's just not enough jobs. I mean, domestically. Yeah. Actually, yeah, there's quite a bit more jobs in Europe. That's true. There's a much stronger industry in Europe, I think. It's weird because you would think it would be a strong industry in the United States, but it's really just San Francisco, (laughs) Los Angeles, a little bit of Seattle. Yeah, it's really only exactly as strong as it has to be. Exactly. Domestically, yeah. And then... In North Carolina Triangle, uh, you're, Texas too. There's a fair amount. In a Texas. little, yeah, yeah. some amount. Te- yeah, you're right. There's a few AAA and AAA adjacent like, like stuff. Blizzards in Texas. Yeah, and there's um, um, Arcane. One of Arcane Studios is in Austin. Yes. Um, and then there's a large studio that does contract work for the big publishers, like they build DLC and stuff for shooters and stuff whose name escapes me, but they're also in Austin. 
Sure. And then there are there are the contractors, especially in like arts and asset development. Yes. That that work for whoever. Yes, and in North America place. alone, like there, there's places in Canada that you like answer to. Well, right? can- Canada is a different and story. Canada is <laughs> a strong industry over there. Yes, because they yes. got hella subsidies. You got Montreal. You got everything up there. Like if you want to roll around like a yes. Toronto. Yeah, like, I have a friend who has a uh, on his resume. He's just like very casually. He can mention things like, "Oh yeah, like like Call of Duties." You know, like half of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, some MMOs. Um, mm-hmm. but then when you look at his MMO list, like seven Ubisoft studios, right, right. When you look at his MMO list though, they're like kind of all over the world. Yeah. Uh, cause they everyone, consulting. yeah, really everyone yeah. wants the same things, which is fine in the context of like back, not background, like, uh, environmental mm-hmm. design, I should say. He's done a number of trees and I yeah. feel like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like at this point he might be the Bob Ross of, of video games. Making he happy just, little he's trees. Just, he's just not aware of it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants good trees. Those are good assets. Um, but yeah, I ultimately decided to not go into the game design industry because I just saw the industry moving away from the stuff that I wanted to make, which was single-player narrative, first-person, third-person type stuff shooters stealth sure. games sure I mean, so at on. first like like the real death knell is if you wanted to make like racing games <laughs> yeah that would have been real rough <laughs> if that was your passion yeah then and you've got like, like two when is options. this yeah when is this ferrari movie coming out you, well, no, wait, you've got you've got the studio that makes dirt you've got you had rainbow studios because they made mx versus atv but They've been totally redone. Of how informed then. you are in the realm of racing games. Yeah, um, this is going over my head. The Forza, Microsoft oh, of course. Of Studios, course. Dead Gran Turismo, uh, and Need for Speed. Um, and there's a few indie efforts too, but that's basically all the big ones. Was it Need for Speed that had a movie? Yes, the it Aaron did. Paul one. Yeah. yeah, did that perform? I don't think so. Did it perform well enough for the company to have I doubt it. not regretted? I'm pretty sure they lost money. Oh, rough. I never saw it. If I didn't go see it, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Can we make this the uh, video games to movies episode? Is it too late to transition? <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's see here. Uh, I mean, we could for a little bit. <laughs> we can go a little longer, too. I don't know. Well, so in my mentions earlier this week... um. I read that a second Tomb Raider movie was greenlit. No way. Yes. That made money? It made enough. Really? Uh, apparently. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised. I also am. Uh, I'm going to look up the box office for both of these movies. Oh, yeah. We have supercomputers in our pockets. Yeah, I know, right? When you got a supercomputer in your pocket, you might as well use it. All right. So it seems... Oh, wow. Okay, so Need for Speed apparently had a budget of sixty-six million, which is production. Yeah, and it says the gross is two hundred and three. <laughs> so they probably broke even. Yeah, probably not much more than that, but they probably broke. Well, it depends even. on how hard they had to market that. Yeah, true. True. Do you have the domestic versus overseas split on that two hundred six? Let's see, box office mojo. 
The domestic was forty three and a half. Yeah, that that sounds. And foreign was one hundred and sixty. That's exactly how to expect that to have performed. Yeah, that's uh, that's usually how it goes these days. Tomb Raider box office. You are you sure you're looking at the new one and not the yeah Angelinos? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Okay. Um, was that just last summer? Oh man. Apparently, what was the budget? Production budget says is ninety four million. Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, I believe worldwide that. gross is two hundred and seventy four million. Fifty eight was domestic, twenty percent, a little over twenty percent. Wow, that's uh, that's not that much. It it really isn't. That's that's an unprofitable movie. Well, I remember thinking, um, well, because I remember at the time there was no way this was a, like a profitable movie. Like I, I thought it was fine. Like there's like, you no don't build way. a franchise off of it. If you got ninety four million just on the production budget, tack on another thirty million for marketing at least. They believed in that film. They they pushed that way harder yeah. than you're giving. No, because I remember for. seeing it a lot. There were there were ads in games. Even uh-huh. there were ads ads on. in the theaters nonstop. Sure. Um and yeah, two seventy four million gross, they probably what, made fifty percent of that in that? Sure. End of Pro- everything. Like on average? Yeah. Something like that. So that's that ain't much. Hundred and thirty some. Well, it was it was last month. Uh yeah, I think it was last month that uh Oh shoot! Is it Sony that has the Resident Evil movies locked down? I have no idea. Well, whoever it is, they they're going ahead with a a reboot of that franchise. See, but that makes more sense to me. Sure, I mean it performs super well, like globally. Um, I mean, I don't even know what the performance was. I'm assuming it was at least okay. Just just rebooting and a you got enough seven film series. Yeah, with uh, and and you have to remember that 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 film series was controlled by the star, and the director, and the executive producer, and the husband and the wife all being the same two people. <laughs> oh wow! Right, and to 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 attempt to do that over again with yeah. a different team, I think at that point you can just reactionarily <laughs> announce that lost money. Well, no, I think I think whoever I think they're two different studios, right? Well, you have it open right now. Who has a Tomb Raider? Uh, it felt like to me that Tomb Raider is it says distributor is Warner Bros. Well, yeah, but uh, let's go out of box office mojo because they don't have this information. Wikipedia. I mean, I can meet you halfway. I think. Tomb Raider film. It's uh, production companies Metro, oh, GK, yeah, of course it's Metro. Square Enix, Warner Bros. Is Metro a subsidiary of Warner Bros? Uh, I think so. But Metro is the, is the studio I remember being connected to Square Enix, so that's why I reacted yeah. that way. Predecessors founded headquarters. Give you a product parent 
MGM Holdings. What are they? Are they not owned by anyone? That would be that would be impressive. Unique. At that point, do whatever you want. Holy shit! Yeah, owners are Anchorage Capital Group, Highland <laughs> Capital Management, Solus A- Alternative Asset Management, Third Point LLC, and Maglin Capital LP. So yeah, independently owned by investors. Okay, well, um, interesting. The I Resident think. Evil team ultimately, I think, answers to 20th Century Fox. Okay. So these are unrelated. But yeah, that, that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, it felt like they were just arbitrarily announcing a competitor to the, the Resident Tomb Evil Raider? franchise. No, because Tomb Raider oh. was second. Oh. Oh, okay. And there was, there was like, at this point in time, there's, there's no reason to try to have to piggyback off of an existing franchise a video game franchise no less yeah you know the one franchise that i think would make an excellent movie is it uncharted well that too have you played I an uncharted game two, yet? i should have said two franchises because <laughs> that's that's obvious that's stupid and it should be nathan fillion playing nathan uh, i mean um, fine you saw the short film right did he do a short you didn't see it i have not Oh my god, dude! It's not even that it's like that good, but they're like Samoans. Well, who who distributed? Why are like, there so? Oh, they just said Samoans in it. No, no, <laughs> I was like, that's moments. great. Like they went out and. No, 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 no. Okay. It's clearly done at a relatively low budget, but he was having a good time. I mean, he has a great time just being alive. Honestly, yeah. that is that is like someone I would love to meet. Oh, he's great. You've met him at one point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Comic Con. Yeah, the Comic Con. Uh-huh. Back when I was still VIP relations. And <laughs> yeah, all the things. He had this gag. Um, was it the last time he was out here in Phoenix, or the year before? Where pull this a little closer, uh, like this yeah. way. Yeah, help you out. He had this uh, this gag throughout the weekend that he he committed to um, in person and on stage, where he would just like sporadically give away a watch. The, or the watch that he was wearing. What? Right. And he would do it. Like, it wasn't on a timer or anything, uh-huh. but it would be like far enough, enough that you would think like, because you, you weren't there that when it happened last, that this was like yeah. a very so unique long, moment for you. Long <laughs> to, enough to where you forget that he's doing it. Yeah. I see. So like throughout the weekend, he That's was just awesome, he, like man. the watches he was wearing, he would just give them out to people. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, okay. The other, the other video game that I think would be great is, Splinter Cell. Oh. And there's supposed to be a Splinter Cell movie in development. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I read that. Which is supposed to be starring Tom Hardy. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be interesting. It's a really smart casting. I have, um, you know what? I'll even give you a pitch for a Splinter. This could be a movie or a game. Like, um, like roughly when in his career is the Splinter Cell um, Sam Fisher? Movie. Yeah. In your okay, pitch. so so my <coughs> pitch, he's, uh, uh, this would be like a little bit after Splinter Cell Conviction. Is that one of the ones where he's a rogue agent or a double agent or uh? Yes, I, I, I can't remember which ones are which. Um, it's the two thousand nine reboot. Basically, it's not really a reboot per se, but it's like a, we haven't made one of these for six years <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I do know this one. Uh, I remember. It's, in my opinion, the 
Well, I've only at the played, time it was probably only, the best one. I've only played the last two, so it's Conviction and Blacklist. Out of the two, Conviction is better in my opinion. Overall, Blacklist is a technically superior and better game, gameplay wise in every way. But Conviction, when it comes to the story, <laughs> there it is again. Yeah, and the presentation sure. of the characters beats it far and away. Not even close. Um, which is why it's better. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, Conviction is as he comes back and he's like retired kind of. Yes. And then he learns that his daughter's still alive. And so he goes on like a hunt to find her. Um, and they do. And there's like an EMP in DC. Third echelon tries to like take over the government. Yeah, it's, it's just taken, but on an epic scale. A little, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Taken, yeah. taken with a global conspiracy. Like we involved. have sixteen hours to tell a story, not eighty minutes. Like let's go big. <laughs> it's eight hours, closer <sighs> to eight. six to eight. Are you playing these games on like the, the standard settings? <laughs> yeah, like a regular difficulty. Sure. For the first playthrough, I played at harder difficulties afterwards. I played that game too many times. Well, I do remember this game. Uh, there was a lot of like like no kill like mandatory scenarios in this one when you're creeping around. I don't think so. Not for conviction. Well, again, I'm pretty sure you could kill all the time in conviction. Maybe conviction was the one. Maybe in the normal difficulty. <laughs> the, I remember playing the heck out of this game. Well, conviction, like everything you do is lethal. You don't have non-lethal options. Yeah, so, like, I, I, not, do, I shouldn't say non-lethal. I should say like like avoiding combat as much as possible. Because like you're as lethal as you are uh-huh. at the highest difficulty of that game. Um, most encounters are mistakes so if you can bypass those it's it's definitely tough yeah but it's um yeah you do like melee moves it was they they did canned melee moves so like you run up like hit a button and it does like a choreographed thing based on your context yeah yeah the angle you come at them <clears throat> what stands you're in all that kind of stuff yes. um and then it had the mark and execute system and stuff it's a pretty solid gameplay, all things considered. Like it was good gameplay. Blacklist again is just way better because they basically took everything and made it better. Yes, as the sequels should do. Um, but anyways, my my pitch for a Splinter Cell movie uh, takes place in uh, a country like India uh, <laughs> or Pakistan or something like that. Sure, there's a uh, river between your options and yeah, or even like uh, inland China. Could could work. Um, you're going modern. You're not trying to like. Yeah, no modern. Um, <laughs> I think. No, you know what? I think India would be best. I'm gonna stick with India. Okay. No, you know what? Philippines could work too. <laughs> sure. Um, Just island hopping becomes air, a core place, part of the game. Places where you got like some dense metros, but it's like third world. Okay. And Sam Fisher is on vacation. You're still going with Sam. Yeah. Okay. He's on vacation with his daughter. And this is like a few years after conviction. Uh, and somehow or another, they, man, I came up with this a long time ago. So I'm trying to remember the details here. Somehow or another, the, Oh, I thought this was on the fly. <laughs> You've got this, this is more out. or less on the fly. I have, sure. like, I have the base idea I came up with, but it's been was a while. It during so your gameplay run. No, 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 sure. no, no. This idea I came up with, I came up with maybe a, a year ago, 
maybe two years ago as part of a theorizing what Ubisoft could do if they treated the Tom Clancy universe like a proper connected universe <laughs> instead of well, like what mistakes are they making branching in your... out. they're not connecting anything i mean yeah they could what's james bond doesn't connect them i know but they could do like marvel cinematic universe for games it's a huge missed opportunity <clears throat> is it though because it's it's a completely different team of people by the time the next game comes out and but if... you can have like the same creative heads oh true yeah the same like core story fine sure is it but but real talk are these are these splinter cell games even being directed say by the same core team i feel like they absolutely are not not. anymore like his splinter cell conviction was directed by jade raymond i want to say and then black was and then blacklist was i think also her but then she left ubisoft after blacklist Sometime after Black. Did she leave Ubisoft or did she go on another Ubisoft project? No, she, she, I'm pretty sure she's left Ubisoft and she works for, I'm not even sure if she works for a major game publisher anymore. I feel like she wouldn't. I think she works for a different, like larger company that does something totally different. But anyways, with the Splinter Cell game. Yeah, that's kind of the move when you, (laughs) when you have that kind of power and you're like, I'm over it. She's one of the few game developers who actually has a name that you can Google. This is true. There's not many. What was the name of the Jeez. Uncharted director? Oh, uh, I conflated them all the time. Neil Druckmann. Well, yeah. Not the original. He's The Last of Us and then the more recent Uncharted. Uncharted 4. Um, and then um, uh, Amy Hennig. Um, yeah, Hennig. There's more. There's another one whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, let's see. Yeah, well, I meant I meant Hennig, the script, the scriptwriter specifically. Yeah. She's so with a naughty dog. Oh, you know what? Jade Raymond didn't do Conviction. I lied. She just did Blacklist. <laughs> so already, I lied. In 2015, team. she joined EA. Informed motive. She was also to be in charge of Visceral, which got closed. Which Amy Hennig went to. There you go. Until it got closed. Uh, in late 2018, no, it's just an award. She left EA Motive in October 18, alluding to a top secret project. In March 19, she announced that she had joined Google as a VP. That's right. Google. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and she'll be heading Google's studios, Stadia Games Entertainment, to make stuff for Stadia. I'm excited for any Google gaming ventures. Really? Yeah. Just the reach they have. I don't know. I'm not. The amount of influence they can. I'm not optimistic about it. Well. We had Amazon. What did Amazon have? Exactly. No, what was like Amazon's mission in terms of gaming? Exactly. Like. They just acquired Twitch is all I, I can think of. Like no, they have a full do. full game studios. They had to they certainly what? did for a while. They made a couple things who I don't even know I don't even remember at this point. 
Well, I mean, that's I'm kind of sure. the that's kind of the Amazon model, right? Get your hands on everything, so you can do anything with Cry it, Engine. and then get out if it doesn't work. They bought CryEngine. They bought it. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <sighs> it's now Lumberyard. <laughs> like metaphorically, it's or... called Lumberyard. Yikes! Amazon Lumberyard. Um, I think they might have bought straight up bought Crytek. I'm not a hundred on that. And what is Crytek? Crisis, yeah. CryEngine. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. A few other things. Um, so, yeah, the Splinter Cell game. <laughs> um, so they're in, like, let's say, uh, you know, let's just say Indonesia. Let's just mix it up again. <laughs> Fine. Um, and they're on vacation, enjoying themselves, and somehow they get into, they sort of get sucked into, a, like, a local political conflict. But then you kind of learn that they were sucked in because a larger like outside force sucked them into it. So you want a born identity to this is the move. I don't remember the story of born identity too. Uh, it's been a minute since I watched that. I didn't have quite the same reaction to those movies as a lot of people did. What was the I thought they general were fine. reaction? Yeah, I thought they were fine too. Did people or people were like enamored with those? I remember hearing people being you know, like, "They're so amazing! Like some of the best spy movies." I'm like, "Okay." They're, they're I, I do love their um, hand cam chase scenes. However, they were yeah. filming those. Uh, that was, I uh, mean, the fight choreography is good. Sure, generally, just uh, kind of hit and miss in some areas, but generally good. Uh, the magazine. Oh no, Crytek is the magazine in the first movie. Yeah. The magazine? Yeah, he literally rolls up a magazine to fight oh, like yeah, a knife building combatant. That. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Just like on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah, they get sucked into like a local uh, local political conspiracy kind of thing going on, and um, they find out that some other international group was like coordinating with the people locally to like say, hey, he's gonna be there you can use him for your thing, you know, kind of put him in that situation. And so they have to survive together. So it's not a situation where she gets kidnapped or any stupid shit like that. They have to survive together like last of us style. I still haven't played last of us, but I get the gist of how the game goes. Sure. But the, the real, (laughs) one of the, one of the major factors about the last of us is that the game takes place over more than a year. True. So does your no, what is the timeline of your fast. movie? This would be like you do like a one week, so not even be like, like we're two talk, days. Talking like no, I'd say no more than like three weeks. Yeah. Okay. And there there has to be some sort of a situation such that he's cut off from his resources, so he doesn't have his team. Uh, maybe we get um, get the arms dealer guy to come through for him. Um, <laughs> uh, shit, I don't even remember. Just his a name. Ran, like a one shot cameo. Appearance like the end of the second act so no, transition no, 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 no. <laughs> as as like a sub a supporting character. Oh, okay. Um, because I love his character. He's so he's a good character. But but I guess how do you how do you make such a scenario where it feels like we where you can justify that it had to be Sam? I don't know. I'd have to oh, think well, about it a that, lot that, more. That's literally the challenge of like yeah. every um. Like Mission Impossible film, right? Because like the True. teams are mutable. True, they're they're super dynamic. It's just an ensemble. 
whoever's available the, whoever's in yeah in the well also like in the context of the film like these are the people i was able to get a hold of because we only have two days to yeah. work this out and we're gonna spend half of those two days off camera in transportation anyway yeah i think i think jeremy renner was still in the he was. another dimension at the time yeah probably you know in the quantum realm yeah well the philippines yeah <laughs> like real talk <laughs> oh god so like whenever whenever they they do the the Mission Impossible films like it has to be Tom Cruise's character mm-hmm. because in the film like it doesn't happen like they don't know ahead of time but in the film in the moments of the film like you needed somebody with incredible like grip strength yeah <laughs> and and just cardio and I think foot speed I think for this case I would like want to tie it into his history too. This is a lot. So, would you still want to make this a movie and some, not like a series? I don't know. I think it would be probably better <laughs> as a game, to be honest. But uh, I mean, it would definitely be better as a game. But I think it would. It could make a good movie. It's like there's a version of this that's tight and. Well, so you didn't see the Tomb Raider film, no. But I played the game. Right, and the and the Tomb Raider film was like the highlight reel of the game. Yeah. That's right. what I got. Because I watched the trailer and I'm like, I've literally played that sequence. Right. Right. I mean there were there were some made for movie moments um in that film. Some of the puzzles were oh god, they were they were not great. But the the idea that they felt that they had to put puzzles in the movie, right? Because like, mm-hmm. how do you make this experience? Tomb Raider movie. Well, how do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you make a Tomb Raider movie where you have where you justify having to invoke Tomb Raider? Yeah. To be the main character without puzzles, right? Yeah, yeah. you need you need those puzzles somewhere. It can't just be and, a combat, right? But you can't just like check fast. the box like yeah, we did one, <laughs> and and so now it's a Tomb Raider film. When we're done, I'm going to show you the Uncharted short film with Nathan Fillion. <laughs> sure it's of oh, course man. it's happening it's good it's not it's not very long it's like i don't know 12 minutes or something like that um well I, I keep trying to drive home this point of like why or not why how how do you justify invoking this character for this scenario because really like there's there's there's, there's two ways to approach design of a product right like mm-hmm. for the end user but in the in the form of like a narrative how do you design for the characters that you're trying to, yes, to because, create? Because if it's going to feel coherent, you know, it needs to make, it needs to have like an obvious driving reason. Right. Right. And and the characters that are in play, they absolutely can be along for the ride. If that's the kind of story that you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. But, but when you're trying to tell a story with an established franchise, you have to justify using that franchise. Yeah. And so what I was thinking along the lines of is Sam Fisher has a very deep history. Um, you know, he's got a number of games at this point, like five games. Sure. Uh, but you are in the, it's not a big minority, but you are in the minority of people who love the Splinter Cell games um, because of how deep its catalog is and how disjointed it is ultimately. Right. Um, versus the people who love that game because it was the game before we had like the Batman Arkham games <laughs> or they're not really the, that, that comparable uh, though. Yeah, but but in the genre of um, stealth? stealth specifically, there wasn't there were many attempts right. Yeah, over over a decade before the standouts started to dominate and their their um, core mechanics became mm-hmm. like universal, 
right? And a lot of them pull from Splinter, Splinter Cell. Cell so. I mean, I still think Splinter Cell is a standout. In my opinion, anyway. Blacklist, certainly, from a gameplay perspective. Sure, I just, it's from, in like a movie, in like your, 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 your climactic scene. Like, if you end up doing some kind of like diehard situation, like that's, that's, that feels wrong to me, right? But it, what are you going to do in that specific, in like the, the, climax of your film mm-hmm. how do you invoke sam where it had to have been sam and it couldn't have been any other character any other franchise like if if it was jason bourne if jason bourne wasn't a movie uh-huh. i mean of course it's a movie if if we were making a jason bourne game and there mm-hmm. was one actually there was there was because I've, I've seen the... Because they didn't use Matt Damon's likeness. He didn't okay that. So I, I do remember that this happened. It was around the time they were still making games for like The Matrix. Because they're like, well, look. Like movies, video games, they have to make money together, right? Yeah. So they, they, they've, they've since learned from that. Outside of, say, like Marvel films. Where you'll get like a uh-huh. a random Thor movie that comes out a movie a year after the actual movie came out in theaters. <laughs> um, but, but if you were to make like a, a Jason Bourne video game now, mm-hmm. right? Like your climactic like battle... You could do whatever you want, but the end you had to have him apologize because that is like the Jason Bourne um, brand. It's mm-hmm. he's just like he knows he's like the best. You can do whatever he wants, um, whatever he has to do, rather. Mm-hmm. But then he also like feels bad for the people that had to be in his way, yeah, or that he had to use to get there. Like that would be how you justify making a Jason Bourne game, is if there's a significant portion of the game where you go around apologizing to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, like, with Conviction, they kind of wrapped up a lot of the personal stuff with Sam because you learn, like, who had his daughter killed. And, and why would why. they bother to cover it up? Yeah. yeah. And so you kind of you kind of do all that stuff. So you'd have to be pulling something something new or right. so in, in conviction, new, new backstory or yeah, something. Yeah, in conviction right they justify invoking Sam by using his history, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no real so clear background good. at that one. Sure. But we're making a movie. <laughs> True. You're right. We're making a one shot movie. You're right. It's not an established franchise. What are the key what are the high notes or not the key notes, the keynotes that you need to to hit? That should always be a question you're you know what could address. be actually really interesting is if it's not Sam's history that gets him in trouble, but it's his daughter's history. Ooh, but is that a cop out? What? Because because she doesn't Why have not? it. Because she, she doesn't have a history. I mean, the most interesting thing about her is that people thought she was dead for a while. Create one for. Her. Yeah, but then but if you're just creating something, is, there's like this whole gap of her life that we don't know anything about. Right. So we could fill that in. Yeah. Do you still want to make this? As a movie, I I don't know. I think it'd be a better game. Yeah, probably a better game, a better series. Yeah, game. Yeah, you know, or TV series could see that, like a Netflix series, mm-hmm. like an eight episode thing or a yeah. ten episode thing. I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. He's just a good character. You can do something with it. And I think like playing off his relationship with his daughters is the best way to do it. And like, it's almost like an origin story for her because she's like an adult at this point, basically young adult at the point that this would happen. So it's just a 
just as much about her like proving she can take care of herself. You Would know? she be willing to do exactly that for the movie? Just complete like you don't have to kill Sam, <laughs> but you remove Sam from the movie as like the oh like the he's hand. injured. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we so I know you haven't played Last of Us, but like the whole point of like The Last of Us is um you're trying to it's not an it's not an escort mission. You're trying to train this girl to live in a world that she is not built for. Yeah. Right. So if you are able to tap into that with with this theoretical Splinter Cell movie, but in the first yeah. like ten minutes you've completely disabled Sam. Uh-huh. He's in like a box somewhere and they are, they're in like radio communications. <laughs> and so you can only like tell her what like objectives, do. but she has to figure oh, okay, out yeah. how to There you go. I think you just so, broke the story. Is that the move? <laughs> I think you just broke it. There was a there was a moment in the second taken film where I thought that's where they were gonna go. Oh yeah. And then, yeah. And then they just let it go. And they did let it and go. And I was like, yeah, I mean it was right. cute, but that's the movie I wanted to see. You're and right. I didn't you're know totally I wanted to right. see that movie. You're so right. D- okay, do you Taken two or taken three? I hate taken three. Or should I say take three? I'm still waiting for taken for granted, but I just, I'm so on board. You hate <laughs> taken three? I it's the only one I can't watch. Really? Like like again. It one it's the it's the PG thirteen one. Um and Is it, it? Yeah and are it, the it, other two R? Yeah, yeah. But it well, I think I might have it backwards, but the 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 real complaint is that it's the movie that feels the most edited. Huh. Like even even in the same scene, that. like just between cutaways, like there's, there's a lot of quick cuts in it, and it just doesn't feel hmm. as well done as the first two. I could see that. I think the story to me is better than Taken Two. For most of it, it kind of falls apart at the end, but for most of it, the yeah. story is actually decent. Yeah, and I, I like the the like road cop take, you know. It's not really rogue cop, but you're rogue agent. Yeah. I mean, there were three movies in. <laughs> we need to justify. Yeah, they're. Yeah, they need <clears> to come. Let's up just with play the twist. rogue card. Yeah, let's play the rogue card. But but did they have to kill, um, Phoenix in that movie? Like they they didn't have to. But Phoenix. that was yeah. In a world before Sophie Turner, our Phoenix was. Um, oh oh, you mean the wife, right? Yeah yeah. yeah. In the first movie, like Black Canary dies. <laughs> in the second movie. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i i enjoyed it i i'd say i liked it more than taken two i've seen it i've seen it more than once i've seen it twice i think i've seen it but like if the one of the first two are on times. like if the first two are on like youtube with ads like i might watch it it's <laughs> my way of saying like if it was on tbs like i would let it play for like 40 minutes and only see like Fair. 20 minutes of movie Fair. But there's no like twenty minutes of, I mean, of taken fir- through that I want to see. The first one's clearly the best. Yeah, it's the tightest. It's only eighty some minutes. Yeah, it's, it's insane. like it's like ni- it's a little over ninety with credits. Yeah, and and well, one the premise of it, and how well executed they they managed to do it. That yeah, was, that was insane. Yes, it's way they waste no time. It's very efficient, well written. Uh, but the second one to me felt like it was treading over too many of the same themes. Like to me, like the, just like the motivations got muddled, you know? Well, that was, when you say muddled, like it's the, it's all the parents of the, yeah, of the bad guys in the first movie that yeah, died yeah. or that were killed. 
coming after the man that killed him. Like, I don't know. Come just, on. For some reason, it just wasn't <clears throat> like as compelling to me. Uh, do you? I don't know if we talked about. It. Do you remember the Will Smith "I Am Legend" movie? Mm-hmm. Do you do you know the original, like the source material of that? I know it's a book. Sure. I never read it, but I I know. It well, was. the book is, ah, oh, shit, Omega Man, I think. And I even forget the author's name. But the 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 quote "I Am Legend." is the realization that he is he is the bad guy in their world because relatively speaking like he's oh. the he's the last like human oh <laughs> where wow. everyone else is is like this zombie thing that's just living their lives right and there's zombie communities there's zombie vampire communities you know having relationships and just mm-hmm. carrying on with the, but he never turned well that's certainly not and he's going around portrayed in his movie but. but but it is up until the moment where um they're in the lab and the, like the male, like the alpha male and then the alpha female, like, like see each other and they realize they're still alive and you realize, Oh, these, these things as they're depicted for most of the movie, like are, are, they're being humanized in the moment. Right. Cause they're, they're ecstatic that they're still like alive and they, they've rescued each other and oh, they can like, they part. can like take out Will Smith at this point. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Yeah, it's it's a super brief, and it's like they almost probably shouldn't have gone in that direction, because they they were committed to making a a, a movie about Will Smith as this survivor, uh huh, um, in a world of monsters. Yeah, and and the original source material was the guy's realization at the end of it all that he is the like the boogeyman in their society because he's, he's random. He's going around. He's just randomly killing people while they're sleeping. Right during the day, yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. I mean, yeah, he and his you dog flip, flip the script. Yeah, you know? him and this and his domesticated dog are going yeah. around, and they're just like terrorizing. Just murdering yeah, him. they're just yeah. murdering him left and right. Because that's what? funny. Yeah, I forget what I, I got here. <laughs> I, I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. No, I've seen the movie. Oh, okay. It's just been a long time. Sure. So I don't. I don't remember that particular the one that the scene that you're referencing. I don't remember that. Exactly. I remember the laboratory, but I just don't remember that moment. Yeah. And in the version of the movie that you saw, does it end with the explosion or does it end with him like driving up to a survivor community talking on the radio? Survivor community. Yeah. I think that was the theatrical. I think that was the theatrical release. That makes sense. I don't know. There was a survivor community. I don't think he was there though. I think he blew up. So he did blow himself up in yeah. the okay. Yeah, oh no, I think you're right. I think you're two. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chick and the, the, the kid. I, yeah, I almost forgot about them. Yeah. So so it they was make a chick it to and the a kid, right? It's at least a chick. I thought it was two people. I could be totally wrong. It's the dog always dies. <laughs> been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that was an intense movie. Yeah, it was an intense book too. I I believe it. Well, I uh, we've gone definitely past an hour and a half. Sure. Uh, I don't know what the final runtime will be, but I'm guessing. Uh, I'm guessing closer to two hours. <laughs> yeah, you are not editing this tonight. No, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> editing this tomorrow. Uh, you have any any final thoughts? You want to maybe plug your your room? <laughs> local 
No, I'm good. No. Honestly, <laughs> honestly mo- most of the audience in general, in general, play play more escape rooms, support local businesses. Um, it, like real talk though. Um, when you're when you're looking for an event experience, um, try to find people who care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about your experience. Yeah. Uh, just in general. That's a, that's a good. That's good. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to go out on that. All right. Yeah. Thanks Works for having me. me. Yeah, it's great. This is fun. It's awesome. We will definitely do it again at some point. Yeah, I'm totally down. All right. Until next week. Thank you for listening to this week's extended episode of SpyFi After Dark. If you enjoyed the episode, consider rating or subscribing on whatever platform you're on. We'd really appreciate it. Next week, I talk to my friend Curtis about game design, whether we should pay NCAA athletes, and more. If you'd like to be notified of that episode, you can follow me on Twitter at MillenTweets. That's M-I-L-L-A-N Tweets. And don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next week. After dark, yeah. Have you wait? So, so if you recorded yesterday mm-hmm. and I saw you at sundown, oh, yeah, that one is not after dark. <laughs> that one was that was a special edition, right in the middle of the afternoon. Okay, okay, a lot of them. How did you pick this uh, this title? Well, see, spy and you stylized it a certain way, too. Yeah, spy fi will be a larger thing. Oh, you're building a brand. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And then the more age-appropriate version <laughs> will not have the after-dark tag. Oh. It'll be like Saturday mornings or <laughs> <laughs> if I did every demo. Like that, yeah. Mm-hmm.